What do planks and political cannibalism have in common today on The Grid? The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Welcome, believers, patriots, family, friends alike. I'm Chris Coleman, the founder and CEO of the Kingdom Patriot Group. Thank you for joining our flagship podcast production, The Grid. But before we get into today's topic about cannibalism, let's jump into this week's news and review. Okay, as usual, there is a ton of news this week. We're going to try to get through this fast, but at the same time, not sacrifice the content for the sake of expediency. So let's jump right into Trump. Trump's in New York for his trial regarding the falsification of financial documents. Letitia James said she was going to get Trump when she was being elected. And certainly from an indictment perspective, she's right. She, she got him. Did you know that the statute that this Attorney General James sued under and the manner in which she did so does not allow a jury trial? A lot of people don't realize this. That means the entire decision, this whole crazy chaos, is left in the hands of one individual, uh, the judge. And James is seeking a $250 million fine penalties and a ban from Trump doing any business in the state of New York. Um, I think in this case, the president would call that election interference as all this is occurring during the election cycle. And speaking of Trump, that very name is the reason why Hillary Clinton is still able to get mic time in the news. And this one's a doozy. She recently floated the idea of formal deprogramming of Trump supporters. And she suggested that the GOP, that the base of the GOP is made up but nothing but bigots. In fact, she once referred to at least half of Trump supporters as being the basket of deplorables, if you remember that, in the 2016 campaign. I wonder how she would come up with the curriculum for this deprogramming, hmm? Perhaps with a new Ministry of Truth? Just saying. Okay, and in other illegal presidential overreach news, let's go to the student debt relief. President Joe Biden, if you remember, got struck down by the, the courts where he could not just wipe out a bunch of student debt, which is he was wanting to do. So instead, he keeps trying to find loopholes. And this this past week, he approved a, a $9 billion student relief program that would affect 125,000 borrowers. Um, and it's just like, come on, are you, are you going to ever actually agree or to cater, not even cater, are you going to just be subservient to the fact the court said you can't do this? In this case, it doesn't appear so. So what he's doing is he's given $5.2 billion in additional debt relief for 53,000 borrowers, uh, $2.8 billion for another 51,000 borrowers. And he has all these different issues about income-driven repayment and ones that have made over 20 years of payments but never got the relief they were entitled to. You know, it's interesting because when you borrow money for a house and you have a mortgage and you have a 30-year mortgage, at the 20-year mark, you don't get the bank saying, we need to give you relief because you didn't get the relief you were entitled to. No, they would say you borrowed the money and you owed it. So I'm just like, okay, this is crazy. Nothing more than a political election year stunt. Well, another schizophrenic Biden injustice news, 
Biden turns out he waived 26 different laws to resume the construction of the Texas border wall. Now, I'm sure we know that this is poll driven because this administration, this group would never, would never do anything that Trump had initiated. We know that to be true. I mean, this is a complete threat to democracy, right? We must get this wall built. Yeah, folks, this is lip service. I'm sure it's poll tested. They have no desire or intent at all to complete the wall construction. My guess is it's because it's the year before election. This is going to happen about every two and a half to three years when we're close to an election. Let's talk about the border wall. At the end of the day, it's nothing more than a campaign talking point. If it was important then, if it's important now, I should say, then it should have been important then, and we know it's not. Um, also, man, again, just some crazy news. In Switzerland, a writer, I guess an author, called a journalist a fat lesbian. Now, that's not the nicest thing to say, and the, certainly I wouldn't call somebody that just based on how Christ has called us to treat folks. However, this author was claiming that this queer activist, another term he used, was completely unhinged. I don't know much about either one of these, but the real story here is what happened as a result of this. The author was found guilty and must spend 60 days in jail for hate speech. That is astonishing on one hand, but on the other hand, I think we know where this is going and what happens over in Europe, usually we follow, where you can't even call something a sin anymore without ending up in jail. And speaking of these kinds of issues, there's a new poll that came out that said 60% of Americans say that businesses should stay out of these conversations. They should stay in their swim lane and not get involved on issues of these kinds, social or current event type of issues. And by the way, just last year, that was at 52%. So it's even gone up more than 15% just year over year. I think this is going to continue to grow as businesses continue to place politics and movements over their employees and customers. The customers are like, I've had enough. If I'm a Bud Light drinker, I want a Bud Light without having Dylan Mulvaney all over the place. Or if I want to take my family to Dizzy, I don't want a rainbow flag greeting me at the entrance of the park. So anyway, by the way, and we're going to talk a lot about the continuing resolution and various votes in Congress, but there's a Democrat representative Bowman. Um, and again, of course, he was a Democrat, pulled a fire alarm in a delay tactic to interrupt House operations in voting for the continuing resolution funding bill. He said he didn't know. He didn't know it was an alarm. He didn't know that would happen. And I'm like, yeah, because no one since the third grade has any clue what a fire alarm looks like. I mean, come on. And again, you know, you're going to hear me say this a lot. Rules for thee, not for me. Okay, now, speaking about vaccines, this really caught my eye, something that Moderna is, is doing. Um, on Wednesday, they said that they have a combo vaccine to protect against both COVID-19 and the flu. And it that it generates actually a stronger immune response compared to doing the shots individually. And they said that this um, that is much better than even the current marketed flu vaccines. And so what I find this interesting, where I think this is going, at some point in the future, individual flu vaccines may likely be a thing of the past and they're not gonna be available. And everywhere you're required to get a flu vaccine, such as in healthcare, you're going to be have to just by default get the COVID-19 vaccine. And if you think that's scary, listen to the Florida Surgeon General as he says this, the new COVID vaccine push is anti-human. He said there is a major safety concern with this. He said, I would not recommend this vaccine to any living being on this planet. 
that is strong language from a servant, Surgeon General, from a government official in Florida. It should give us serious pause for concern. Also, I saw this. Apparently, Carrie Lake in Arizona is not done running for elected office. She's now signed signed up to run for the Senate seat there. Yikes. Uh, this will be interesting. She is certainly bombastic, but the fact she couldn't beat Katie Hobbs uh, in the governor election should bar the GOP from even supporting her. Yes, I, I like the fact that she's a firebrand and pushes back. She's also a loser. She she lost an election. I'm just, just saying. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Speaker of the House and what's going on there. Jim Jordan didn't throw his hat in for that. Um, even Trump was rumored to be a candidate. Even Newt Gingrich, Steve Scalise is making a bid. A lot of chaos there. Um, and lastly, in the news, Bidenomics continues to perform as you would expect. And with no greater example, the largest healthcare worker strike in U.S. history commenced this week. At Kaiser Permanente, 75,000 workers went on strike. Keep it up, Joe. More cowbells. So how about some clarity um, about all of this, actually? And we're going to go back to the Gipper, Ronald Reagan, the great communicator. Here's some things that he said years and years ago. And I just wanted you to hear them say, hey, does this ring true to you? As early as 1961, Reagan said that government would weaponize healthcare. I think we can check that box. He's, he predicted America's shining city upon the hill would remain as a beacon to the world. And while that maybe that light doesn't shine as bright as it used to, that is still the case. And it certainly flickers depending on the administration. In the Republican administration, where we uphold conservatism, freedom, and democracy, the light shines brighter. Under the current administration, it's definitely experiencing a power outage. Reagan also boldly called the outcome of the Cold War. He said, they win, or we win, they lose. Check that box. He also warned that federalized education would marginalize parents and shortchange students. Wow. I think we can check that box as well. He also believed the sun would rise again over America, that eternal optimism. I think that one still remains to be seen. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Okay, to today's topic, political cannibalism. Well, if you haven't been paying attention, well, you haven't been paying attention if you don't know this, but Kevin McCarthy is out as the Republican Speaker of the House. There's lots of reasons for this, but there's an overriding theme here, and we're going to talk about that. Let's take you back 10 months ago when Mark McCarthy actually became Speaker in January of 2023. It took 15 rounds of votes for his election, and he had to make significant concessions to the Gang of Eight to get their support. And this gang I'm talking about is Matt Gates's gang. And at one point, I was actually convinced that we might end up with Hakeem Jeffries as Speaker of the House, a Democrat, even though the Democrats had a minority in the House. Granted, it's, it's a small minority. So you see, to win speakership in the House, you actually have to have a majority of the votes. That's why the party in the power always gets the Speaker, because presumably all the members of that party will vote for their candidate. And so by, by default, their candidate becomes the majority and therefore the Speaker of the House. However, not so this past January. On the first ballot of votes, McCarthy got 203 votes to Hakeem Jeffries, 212. So he was actually nine votes short of Hakeem Jeffries, but you needed 216 to win the Speaker. Now, how is this possible? How did McCarthy only get 203 votes when the Republicans hold 222 seats? Great question. And the reason is, 
is because those other 19 Republicans, they voted for other candidates besides McCarthy. So how many, do the, how many votes do the Democrats have? 212. How many votes did Hakeem Jeffries get? 212. Why? Because the, the Democrats vote in lockstep unison with their guy. Not so the Republicans, obviously. So ultimately, it took 15 rounds of voting, and McCarthy won after giving concessions to the Matt Gates gang. What were some of those concessions? I just want to do a quick recap. Uh, for one, he agreed to vote separately on 12 different appropriation bills, because right now, typically what Congress does is they lump them all together, and it's kind of an up or down vote either one. And that makes it really challenging, because you might be somebody that says, well, I support 11 of the 12, but there's that one that I don't support, so I got to vote against it. And then what happens at election time, um, it's used as a campaign ad against you. It says, well, you voted on this bill. Where you're like, well, yeah, I, I supported 95% of the bill, but there was this one thing because they're lumped all together. So that's a good thing. That was a good concession. Yeah, let's break these bills out, these appropriation bills, and vote on them separately. Um McCarthy also agreed to cap discretionary spending at the levels they were at the beginning of the Biden administration for both defense and domestic spending as part of his commitment to balance the budget in 10 years. Now, this made some people really angry on the conservative side because it also meant that there was a good possibility that military spending would be would be less over time as a percent of our overall spending. Um, McCarthy also agreed to create subcommittees on the weaponization of the federal government, also a good thing. The federal government is being weaponized like never before, and it needs to be investigated. It needs to be stopped. Um, now, McCarthy also agreed to reinstate the Holman rule that allows, I guess it's a law that allows for the reduction in government official salaries and any other compensation paid by the U.S. Treasury. Again, I don't really see a problem with that one. The, there was concession about the Congressional Leadership Fund. Um, he also promised to give House members 72 hours to review bills before they came to the floor for a vote, which, by the way, Nancy Pelosi never did. That's how Obamacare got passed. Memory, we got to pass it so we can see what's in it. She said that over and over. But one of the biggest concessions, and honestly will be the heart of our discussion today, is McCarthy agreed to lower the number of GOP conference members needed to start a process of removing the speaker, known as a motion to vacate, from five people to one. Even though he previously said he wouldn't budge on the number, and some Republicans worry it could bog down the House with weekly power struggles. So if you go back to the Pelosi regime, what she did is the, the vote to, for her to vacate had to come from an inner circle, and it had to be multiple people, whereas McCarthy had to give in to Matt Gates in order to get the speakership, and it was basically any, any member can bring a vote and say, I'm gonna, we're going to call a vote right now to remove you. And so it, it created a real challenge there that you could end up with exactly what we ended up. So this is really at the heart of what happened in this past week. Matt Gates, a Republican in Florida, has been threatening to vacate McCarthy since he became speaker. And in this case, you need to sum up the facts. McCarthy proposed a continuing resolution that Matt, the Matt Gates group, including him, rejected because they didn't think it was conservative enough. They said there was too much spending in it. And they said, we need to stop all spending. So they outright rejected this. Well, what is the result? Well, fast forward towards a government shutdown. That's exactly what was happening. It was in the 11th hour. So the GOP controls the House. Well, I know barely, but they still control the House. They are the majority party. And who controls the purse strings in, in Washington? That would be the House. So it's pretty easy to see who gets blamed if the government gets shut down and gets used as campaign fodder. You guessed it, the Republicans would do that. So my question is, does Matt Gates even care about that? I mean, 
with a person's approval ratings like his that have been dropping like a rock. So in 2021, his approval rating was 44%, which ain't great, but it's better than a lot of Congress. Now it's at 32%. It's just been dropping over the last several years. You'd think he would care, but here's where the rubber meets the road. He represents one of the most lopsided Republican districts in all of Florida. As far as registered voters, it is a plus 19 district. So what exactly does that mean? That means that any Republican candidate that can even fog a window is going to win. There's no way for a Democrat to win in that district. So what does Matt Gates care if the government shuts down? Well, how about all the Republicans in purple districts, ones where they have to fight for their lives in every election cycle? Now they have to go and campaign with your party shut down the government. Well, that kind of sucks. These are way more competitive races, and these kinds of things matter. So they, they care a whole heck of a lot because they know they're going to be held accountable. And that's where political cannibalism comes into play. But just for context, I can think of other votes where Democrats absolutely circle the wagons to protect their own. Bob Menendez, Hillary Clinton, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, the list just goes on and on. But Republicans have an innate ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, whether it's Trump's impeachment or highly contentious issues, the Republicans seem to have a knack for eating their own. They don't unite, they don't act in, act in lockstep, and they also often play a great short game, but at the expense of a horrible long game. Absolutely frustrates me. Why, why do you think progressive liberals seem to have victory at every turn? It's because they play an excellent long game. They, by definition, are incremental progressives. They know every small victory is a step towards a larger victory. The Republicans, on the other hand, seem to only swing for the fences, wanting the home run, but often striking out swinging every time, not realizing that the game is an incremental game and it's won incrementally. So back to Gates. The more I learn of this guy, the more I don't like about him. Other Republicans in Congress, I, I heard this this week, is that he would bring his phone into Congress to show other members of Congress pictures of the women that make up his sexual exploits and his personal conquests. Sure, he may trump the conservative cause, and for that, I'm grateful, but I wouldn't let my daughter near this guy. I don't think this guy is the kind of person that we should stand behind, say, this is who we want leading and making decisions for in our Congress. So what's his endgame? Well, in this case, he clearly wanted to get rid of McCarthy. It was part of the concession, and he's been trying to oust him for the last 10 months. Finally, he got his wish. Now, he did this because McCarthy, in order to avoid the government shutdown, which, by the way, what is that? Is to protect some of these Republican districts, is that McCarthy, in order to avoid this, um, he had to ultimately decide with the Democrats to get the votes for a continuing resolution. So he had to get some, he had to get Democrat votes. Matt Gates said this was an act of a traitor. So what did he do? He initiated a vote of no confidence because McCarthy created the rules in which you could do that. Only one person needed to do that. So how did Matt Gates do that? Did you know that 96% of the Republicans voted to keep McCarthy? So why is McCarthy even out of the office? How did he get ousted? Well, it's because Gates got all the Democrats to vote with him to kick McCarthy to the curb. And the Democrats are laughing all the way to the polls. So you heard all of what I just said correctly. Let me recap. So you can really see the hypocrisy here. Gates saw McCarthy's alliance with Democrats on the continuing resolution as a last straw. So he allied with the Democrats to punish and remove McCarthy for allying with the Democrats. 
This is crazy stuff. It's self-defeating. It is hurting the conservative cause. It's hurting for it's hurting the conservative cause pretty much from every angle. Matt, thanks for weakening our country and making it more difficult to win the House in the next election. Oh, and if you don't like the continuing resolutions and you want a bill that cuts everything, remember, in our form of government, a bill has to pass the House, the Senate, and be signed into law by the president. And the last time I checked, the Democrats control the Senate and they control the presidency. So if you want to avoid a government shutdown, it's going to require some level of compromise and incremental victories, or at least an incremental view in the long game. So who's in the waiting after all this? Well, it seems like Jim Jordan has the lead, which I actually happen to like Jim Jordan. Um, however, in January, Jim Jordan was the one that was urging all of these GOP folks, especially the Matt Gates gang, to support McCarthy because Jordan believes McCarthy was a, was a good pick. And actually, Newt Gingrich has had his name floated around, even Donald Trump. Now, Trump is like a bull in a China shop as from a president perspective. And I think the Lord used him very well in that capacity. But he would suck as a speaker. I'm just telling you, this would be a disaster of epic proportions. A, a part of government, government that thrives and is required to run has to be run on rules and processes. No, this, this, would, be, this would be a disaster. And I like Newt, but he's really, he's not going to be tapped. By the way, you can be Speaker of the House without being a current congressman or congresswoman. I don't know if you knew that. Um, we'll know more about this in coming weeks. I, I just don't want this infighting to continue into perpetuity. There are too many issues, and we need principled leadership. This does not, this does not place the confidence of the American people in the leadership of our country. It certainly doesn't with me. And the old saying is that Republicans know how to win, but they don't know how to govern. Well, today, that notion has been validated amongst our citizens. But before we jump to our analysis, a quick word from our sponsor, Red Balloon. Let's say hello to our friend at Red Balloon, Andrew Krapuschatz. If you're a business owner, then you know hiring quality team members is a real challenge, and a bad hire can destroy workplace culture and cost you tens of thousands of dollars to unwind. That's why we use Red Balloon. They specialize in connecting job seekers and employers with aligned values without all of that woke nonsense. Over 15,000 job seekers visit redballoon.work every week looking for businesses that won't force them to pledge allegiance to a bunch of liberal policies. Every job seeker on Red Balloon pledges to pursue excellence in their work, create success for themselves and their employer, and avoid bringing personal political agendas into the workplace. At redballoon.work, learn about the packages for entrepreneurs, small businesses, larger enterprise businesses, and even a recruiter service to help you find your people. Finding the right people can make or break your company's future. Check out redballoon.work today. So as I thought about this, I thought, from a faith perspective, what really comes to mind when I think about this story and this issue? And the Lord brought this scripture to my mind in Matthew 7, just the first few verses. And this is what, the, this is what Jesus said. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck? of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, am I the only one that thinks that Matt Gates has got the plank in his eye and he's trying to remove the speck of sawdust? I mean, in this case, it appears that he is a hypocrite to the highest degree, but more importantly, 
overall, not just him, but politics in general is filled with hypocrisy for this very reason, grandstanding about issues and tensions, all the like, while ignoring their own issues. Need another example? How about Ted Kennedy sitting in Supreme Court justice nominee hearing Clarence Thomas have to defend himself against Anita Hill's sexual harassment allegations, all the while he completely got a pass on Chappaquiddick and very, very suspicious circumstances around the death of Mary Jo Kopechny. Or Adam Schiff accusing Trump of being a liar when we all have learned that Adam Schiff is only capable of truth when his lips are not moving. On and on, I could give you examples in politics where it's rules for thee and not for me. Do as I say, not as I do. Scripture calls this hypocrisy. So the lesson that we can learn from this is to love God, hate evil, do what is right, and be an example for all men. Well, let me rephrase. Be a godly example to all men, not just an example. We got plenty of politicians who are examples. In fact, most in today are an example of what not to do. So politically speaking, I am usually sounding off about some crazed, unhinged liberal doing something that once again weakens and hurts our country. But in this case, I have to sound the alarm on short-sighted, hypocritic congressman from places like Florida. Today, he weakened our country, he weakened our cause, and he certainly weakened our short-term outlook. Why as conservatives do we eat our own? Why do we, why do, we do this because we don't agree on every single nuance of a particular issue. For the greater good, submit to authority when it doesn't require you to violate scripture. And in this case, Matt, I don't see, I don't see what Kevin McCarthy was doing is to violate scripture. So you were rebelling against authority. And by all accounts, I think McCarthy, at least in difficult circumstances, was doing a pretty decent job. Others will disagree with me. But I think when you have one branch of the three of the three of government, or or, or when I say um, the the branches, when when you talk about the House, the Senate, and um, the presidency, when you only have one of those three, it is very difficult, very difficult. Don't get me wrong; I like Matt Gates's conservatism. I like his championing of the conservative cause, but I don't like his methods. On this day, he looked way more like a Democrat. That the ends justify all means. Now, the commercial impact of this move is really multifaceted. First, MacArthur, McCarthy did get a continuing resolution passed so that no government, there was no government shutdown. But it was only for 45 days, from what I understand. And that's a good thing, and the markets likely will continue to respond accordingly. However, in 45 days, this fight starts all over again. And I, how's it going to turn out now? I mean, if, if there's not a level head like McCarthy in there, if Matt Gates is running this show, then it's going to be give me everything I want or I'll shut down the government. And that scares me a little bit because there's only one group that's going to get blamed and that's going to be the Republicans. So I think it could get ugly. Um, I think this, this grandstanding is likely to cause the markets to react negatively. And personally, I want soldiers and other folks in our government to have their paychecks. If they don't, if their paychecks stop, then that means cons consumption is going to drop. And consumption is what drives our economy. That part of all of this is bad. I hate continuing resolutions, but until you change the laws and the rules, that's what we have to work with. I'm all for a balanced budget amendment that actually requires a budget. If you couple all this with inflation, when consumption starts to fall, I'm afraid we're in for a pretty rough ride. I see no soft landing here. Prices are going to start to tumble eventually, especially in the housing market. And when jobs are lost, people cannot afford their mortgages, eight, 9%. It's just not. And once that happens, 
the domino effect is going to ensue. And I think it's going to be ugly. So in light of this, what can I say to encourage you? Um, well, number one, I would say don't be a plank-filled spec remover. Be an encourager. Be a helper. Put others before your own. Uh, well, I should say put others' needs before your own and treat others more important than yourself. If you do that, if you live that way, then by definition, you will not be a cannibal, especially a political cannibal. A political, especially a political cannibal. Now, as we wrap up today, I want to just throw a quick shout out. Thanks again to our sponsor, Red Balloon. Andrew, we love all the great work you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you so much for listening and watching, depending on where you are, to this episode of The Grid. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. Also, make sure you tell your friends, family, neighbors about this podcast production, The Grid. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much any other podcast platform that you like. Give us a five-star rating so we can expand our reach. And also, if you're just listening today, we now have video on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and like us there as well. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.